Amen, amen. Well, we're doing something very, very cool here at Thrive these past three weeks. It's called Your Story, My Story. Everyone say, Your Story, My Story. And the reason why we're doing this series called Your Story, My Story is because we absolutely believe that God is the greatest story writer, that no one writes stories better and no one's been writing them longer than God himself. And in fact, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, the fact is God is writing a story with and in your life where the hero of that story is Jesus Christ. And you know, something very powerful happens when we start to realize that God is writing a bigger story with our lives. All of a sudden, what we're going through and why we're going through it, all of a sudden, it starts to make a little bit more sense. All of a sudden, our lives take on a purpose and a significance that they didn't have before. All of a sudden, you realize a little bit more clearly why God placed you on this earth and what the season you're going through is all about. And that's why in this series called Your Story, My Story, each Sunday, we've invited someone to come up on the stage to share their real-life story of the way that God, in particular Jesus, made a difference in their lives. These are ordinary people like you and me who've got weaknesses and strengths like you and me. They've had their share of success. They've also made mistakes like you and I have. They've had their share of joys and sorrows as well. And in the process of hearing their story, I think you're not just going to learn something about them, but you're also going to learn something about yourself and the story that God wants to write with your life. If you believe that, say amen. Have you guys enjoyed your story, my story so far? Yeah, it's been an amazing time as we've been learning from different people the story that God has written in their lives. A couple weeks ago at Easter service, we had Tony Lee here sharing his story, how he was you know, an atheist at one time, and then he surrendered his life to God. And it was one of those stories where you can tell that you know, if you want to experience God in your life, if you want Jesus to put the color back into your world, it's about learning to have a humble and open heart to God. That was the story we shared a couple weeks ago. Last week, we had Jessica Chang here, and she shared her story. And in that story, one of the big lessons from her story is that when things don't go your way, when doors close, when things don't go the way you planned, it's not because God is not there, it's not because God doesn't care, but it's because God is writing a greater story with your life. If you believe that, say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has a greater story. Amen, he's writing a greater story. This morning, I'm really excited as we do our third and final interview for Your Story, My Story. And this next guest, he is the founder and the principal of Mayfair Commercial Real Estate Advisors. He's a leading commercial real estate firm in Vancouver. Uh, in addition to being uh, a commercial realtor, this next guest, he serves on the board of a number of different charities, such as Chimo Community Services, which is a charity that is doing work to help women and children who are coming out of homes which have been abusive or violent. Uh, in fact, we've got a picture of our guest here. He is here with uh, the City Hall of Richmond, where he is uh, serving as the chair at that point uh, of the Multicultural Advisory Committee. Uh, there's next picture here as well uh, of him with the, the RCMP member here, and he's a member of their Detachment Multicultural Advisory Committee there too. Uh, you know, this next guest, he is also a Scouts leader. Uh, so if you've ever done Scouts or Girl Guides before, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, this next guest, about 10 years ago, he won the National Award for his work with Scouts, and he's also a block watch captain in his neighborhood. Uh, and uh, perhaps more important than all those things, uh, when you go to thrivechurch.ca, our website, uh, he's one of the first faces that you'll see on that website, at least for now. Uh, and uh, you know, despite all these accomplishments, Lawrence Lim would tell you that his story is not about how good he is. It's a story about how good God is. And it's a story about second chances. We're really excited to have Lawrence here to share his story with us. Could you join me in giving a very warm, thrive welcome to the one and only Lawrence Lim. Let's give him a big hand this morning. Give him a big shout as well. Come on. As usual, we're going to do a bit of a scene change here. And uh, thank you so much, our prep team, for getting us uh, all set and all ready. I'll take that as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much. Can we give all of our volunteers this morning uh, a big round of applause? They've been working hard, everyone. Thank you so much, guys. Lawrence, good to have you on the stage. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for being willing to share your story. Uh, don't let the good looks and the last name fool you. The fact is that uh, we're both last name Lim, but we're not actually naturally related to one another. Uh, Lawrence Lim and J.B. Lim are not uh, natural relatives, but they're, we're, you know, we're, we're you know, siblings in Christ, or uh, you know, brothers in Christ, as they would say. Uh, and Except so I'm nicer here. looking than him. Oh, he's better looking, you guys think? Amen. Amen. I can just say amen to that. Praise God. Well, here's the thing is, uh, you know, I want to thank you, Lawrence, for being willing to share uh, your story with uh, all of us today. We had an awesome time in our first service at 9.30, and we have another opportunity to share your story this morning at our 11.30 service. Uh, before we get into Lawrence's story, do you guys want to see some pictures of Lawrence from the past? 
Yeah? Okay. These are old photos, okay? They're black and white, all right? Okay. Uh, we're going to show some black and white photos uh, of Lawrence when he was younger. Let's start with this one right now. <laughs> you never see me naked again. <laughs> yes, yes. Unfortunately, the whole church has seen you naked now. Uh, and uh, people online as well. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, but uh, that's, you're, you're a good-looking baby back there. Look, look at his eyebrows. Can you see those eyebrows? Look how nicely styled those eyebrows are. Some of the women are envious of your eyebrows there. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, this is you, uh, October 1st, 1955. That's yes. when you were born. You're right? not supposed to tell my age. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. Well, people are still doing the math, so they don't really know what your age is yet. But the fact is this, is um, five days after you were born, um, you know, in fact, let's, let's show the next photo here. Um, this, is, this is a very cute photo. How, how old were you? For a year and a half. A year and a half? Okay. Still, my feet can't touch the ground yet. That's right. That's right. Now, five days after you were born, something happens that dramatically changes the course of your life. What is that? I was born Lawrence Cole. And because of financial difficulty in my biological family, I was adopted to the Lim family. And when I was five days old, I was taken from the Ko family to the Lim family home. That is why I'm known as Lawrence Lim. Now, as a result of basically that uh, family adopting you into their family, you have uh, quite an interesting, it's a fascinating family tree. Right? You've got you know, multiple moms and dads. Can you tell us a bit about that? My biological father, he has five wives in China and two in Singapore. I was from wife number seven. When I was adopted to the Lim family, he has two wives living in the same household. So altogether, I have nine mothers and two fathers. Good thing they don't celebrate Mother's Day in Singapore. <laughs> wow. Nine mothers, two fathers. Your adoptive father, Mr. Lim, uh, tell, me, tell, tell us a bit about him. He was a gangster when he came to Singapore, illiterate, but very successful man with a good heart. And uh, he has been such a strong influence on my life. What kind of uh, business did he end up doing? Uh, he is uh, in the business of selling building material. Mm -hmm. And in fact, you guys lived uh, and worked in the same place, I guess. It was a family compound where the factory was there, uh, and you know, you would live, your living quarters were there, so it was all kind of all in one in Singapore. Uh, there is right, it's all, you got a warehouse, the office, and a housing compound. Yeah. Uh, there's a family of seven, of two wives living together, and we all live in that big compound. Yeah, now, um, you shared before about how uh, you were adopted. When did you find out, and how did you find out that you were adopted? My biological um, family, as I say, it's Ko, but my adopted mom is also known as Ko, last name. So for the first uh, six, seven years, I always ask mom, mom, how come my name is Lawrence Ko and not Lawrence Lim? And she said, well, somebody made a mistake, you know, they use my last name. It's only later on when I know how to read and uh, when, I, when from documents I brought to school that I found out that I was adopted. Wow, so you're basically going to school, you have some documents, uh, your identity documents, I guess, maybe your passport, and you're going through them, you're reading them on your way to school, and you see an adoption certificate, you see adoption papers. That's how you found out that uh, you That's were right, yeah. My, my biological, my adopted father loves me very much, and is, there's a fear that I might return to my biological family, so he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And my mom was a friend of, uh, of my biological family, so we kind of keep it low profile, but I did try to locate them without success mm. because they were all in the little villages at that time when Singapore was still un relatively undeveloped. Yeah. Couldn't find them, but mm. the love that I obtained from my adopted father is overwhelming yeah. and there's no great desire to hunt down my biological family. Understood. Now, speaking of your biological family, you, you shared that it was because of financial hardship that they had to give you away to another family. Yes. Now, the parents or the family that adopted you, they had a very special reason for bringing you into the family. What was that? My adopted mom was married to my father when she was 17 years old. The first two babies died very, very young. And in, according to the Chinese superstitious belief, uh, there is a curse placed on my on my uh, on my mom. So I was taken in to block that curse. And believe it or not, after I was adopted, I have three sisters that came uh, <laughs> at, uh, all together in the next few years. So uh, I did block that curse, I guess. <laughs> and, and in fact, they gave you a very interesting. Uh, it's quite a beautiful Chinese name as a result, which is what. Ling Tian Bao. 
That means uh, Tian is heaven and protect. Heaven protect. And thank God, what a nice name it is. <laughs> now, in a family with so many kids, you're the only one who's adopted. How'd you feel in that kind of environment? How did it feel growing up in a family where you, you're the only adopted son and everyone else is a naturally born uh, child? My adopted father loves me so much. So, in fact, I don't feel I was neglected. Hmm. It, the feelings of uh, uncertainty only happen after my three, my three sisters were born. My mom kind of looked after them and kind of left alone in between. And I began to question uh, why was I given away without knowing mm. much reason. There's yeah. a little sense of rejection, and that yeah. has a huge impact on my life. Wow. But thank God, with Christ, I'm not rejected anymore. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Uh, now, you never had a chance to meet your biological father. Uh, he died uh, you know, before you were 18. But uh, when you were 18, you had an opportunity to meet your biological mom under very interesting circumstances. What, what, what were those circumstances? Well, in Singapore, the... Uh, when, we, when you give a child away, you're not allowed to contact uh, them until they reach the age of majority, which is 18 years old. So I received a call from my, my brother that, I'm your brother, surprise, surprise. It's David, yeah? And I've always wondered because I tend to have uh, uh, musical genes in me. I can read and understand music and everything. And uh, the rest of my limb family are literally tone deaf. <laughs> they, can, they can hold a, a note, or, and I don't know where it came from. But when I went to visit my, my, my family, there was a full band. My eldest brother was playing the drum. Wow. The other brother was playing the bass, one playing the treble. They sing the Beatles song, you know. And wow. uh, I know that I haven't made a mistake. I was from that gene. Yeah, Wow. And you not only met your brothers, but you met your biological mom. Yes, I did. And what was that like? It was a mixed feeling because of the love of my adopted father. And I knew that if I'm too close to my biological mom, it might hurt my father. Yeah. And for that reason, I kept my, my mom as a relative. It, of course, it is, uh, it is very, a very touching moment when she apologized for giving me away. But all in all, it was a, a, a very significant event when I first met my mom. Wow. Now, growing up, you were quite a naughty boy, right? Uh, you were sharing with me earlier some stories. Could, could you maybe share with uh, you know, our, our friends here some of the examples you gave me of how naughty you were back when you were a child? I think except my left leg, all part of my body, uh, my limbs uh, had broken once or twice before. I got head being bashed, my stomach got cut, and all kinds of stuff uh, because I was just being so naughty. But the other adventure I did is try to uh, crucify a rat alive by feeding it painkiller and watching the intestine just jumps out in front of me. I tried to crossbreed a dog and a cat, but it's not <laughs> successful. I pulled the fillers from cockroaches and make them fight grasshoppers and spiders. But it was an exciting time. We have no computer games, but I had a good time. Wow, wow. It's a good thing that the Humane Society had no idea about these things back when you were, uh, uh, you were a kid there. Um, fantastic. I, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you say fantastic, but interesting. Interesting. Um, interesting. And, and, uh, you know, and you have a dog today. You've you got a pet dog at home. I've seen that dog before, and you, you, you haven't tried to breed that cat with a cat or anything like that, right? Okay, that, that's good. No, enough. I didn't try to dissect the dog yet. Right, okay, fantastic. Well, uh, let, let's just look at another photo here. This is you. Uh, this is, of course, you and your family. Now, now this is you in high school. Yes. Okay. Uh, and this is, uh, I don't know if you guys can notice, but uh, in the first row, sort of on the right, you've got Lawrence there, uh, look, look, staring right into the camera, looking like he's ready to take over the world there. Uh, and so that's Lawrence in high school. Uh, and, you know, as naughty as you were, uh, you were quite uh, an accomplished young man as well. Let's keep going here. You were the captain of the badminton team. No, no, go back. Go back. You were captain of the badminton team. Uh, you've, got a, you've got a cat in your hand there. I'm not sure what you're about to do with, about to do with it, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, that, that's that's an interesting one. No, that's um, not what they're thinking. I'm not trying to dissect the cat. Right, okay, yeah. And then, uh, cool mustache too, by the way. That's, that's kind of neat. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, next one here. This is you after high school. You went to the Singapore military to serve. And apparently you were a top marksman in the Singapore military. Yes, uh, there's compulsory conscription in Singapore. I have to serve for two and a half years. And uh, thank God I, I was a pretty good marksman. And I, I was privileged to uh, represent my unit. And we took part in various competitions across the island. Very That's nice. my team. 
Very cool. Now, you didn't stay in Singapore. Uh, you eventually moved on to London, England, where you studied. That is correct, yes. uh, And you got your training in accounting initially. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then you, you studied a very good school in London. You eventually move to Vancouver, and you start in accounting, but then you eventually go into commercial real estate. Can you just tell us a little bit about that journey and that transition? When I came in 1981, interest rate was at 21%. So the construction company that I worked for went belly up within six months. Mm. In fact, my last two weeks' pay was compensated with a typewriter, two chairs, and a table just to make up that pay. Wow. But eventually, within a month, I was employed by a Jewish gentleman who eventually became my godfather and taught me everything I know about real estate. So uh, within a year, I was promoted to vice president as his right-hand man looking after real estate. So the transition happened when I was with uh, Julius Belshine. Now, you were, as his accountant, working there, and then you eventually <laughs> moved into real estate. Why, why not stay in accounting? Why go into real estate for you? Well, I was writing out big commission checks to uh, realtors and I say this is great uh, <laughs> lots of money no limit and I don't need to invest any capital that's right. how I moved into commercial real estate okay and so you move into commercial real estate you do very well in commercial real estate in fact the next photo here is of uh, some awards that you've won this is you uh, more recently uh, I guess receiving uh, an award for the, being the top salesman in your brokerage yes um, and uh, you did very very well there let's let's take a, a, a turn here and, and sh switch gears a bit by talking a bit about you growing up uh, what role did faith and religion play as you were growing up in your family? My family is a family of idol worshippers. They worship anything that offers them prosperity and health. And my father was a demolition contractor. Every time he encountered idols, he would invite them into a house. So I was brought up with over 20 idols in my home of various shapes and sizes and images. And you, you once told me that these guys, these idols became kind of like your sleeping companions. What, what, what do you mean by that? Yes, uh, because I, I don't have a bedroom to go to. I was sleeping in a portable canvas bed that I fold up at night. Uh, I sleep in the dining room, and those idols are all surrounding me. I remember most of their faces even now, wow. but I'm not fearful of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's, quite, uh, that's quite a background to come from. Now, not only did you have idols uh, in the... I guess your, your, your bedroom, I guess it would be. But you also, your whole family, it seems like, were uh, quite involved in Buddhism. You got, you, you're sharing with me how you guys would open up the family compound to have Buddhist healing services uh, for people who would come to, to worship Buddha. They'd come to your house to do that. Yeah, there was a, a Sifu, a master from uh, uh, Hong Kong. And my, my brother and I, we got baptized into the faith. And we would have to write our name and kneel before the Buddha. We burned the ash, drink it, and made a promise to be faithful to, uh, to the Buddha. Wow. And that uh, kind of kept me in, uh, from 12 years old to about my teenage years, about 17 years old. Wow, wow. So you were uh, you know, quite a fervent Buddhist. Uh, your family were fervent Buddhists. Uh, let me ask you this. Before you became a Christian, what was your impression of Christians and Christianity? I was not very much exposed to Christianity. Uh, Jesus Christ was to me a historical figure, uh, a Western religion of some sort. Uh, nobody has actually taken time to explain to me, and I was too busy in my Buddhist faith to explore the other alternative. So what made you curious about Jesus in the Bible and Christianity? When I was about 17 years old, the three big uh, reasons, the big topic in my life is my origin, my meaning, and my destiny. And when you explore Buddhism, it doesn't quite address where I come from. And worst of all, it says that life is Life is bad. You have to fight against all the evil in the world. It doesn't give me a true meaning. And destiny is uncertain. I have to earn with my own effort to accumulate enough karma so I don't come back and reincarnate as a dog, which yeah. is not very satisfactory to me. Right. And I begin to search the origin my purpose and destiny in my life. Right. Could you imagine coming back as a dog in the hands of someone like young Lawrence Lim and you're, you know, that, that, that would not be a good life. Whoa, whoa, you know? whoa. <laughs> Please don't do that. Yeah, okay. All right. Okay. Um, and so, you know, so that, that, that's you. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, you, you end up, you know, questioning your faith as a Buddhist. Uh, how did you get introduced to Christianity? When I was in uh, grade 11, um, and when I was searching, I was invited by uh, brother Lim Kim Siam. It's Lim again. He said, why don't you come and join us? And I, I went. And after a few uh, times of attending, he sat down and shared the faith with me. And that's where my life took a major turn when I was 17 years old. 
Now, you go to these, I guess, these youth group meetings. I think you called them like inter-school Christian, Christian fellowship. fellowship. Yes. And it would be at the church next, next door. Next to the school. Right next door to your school, your, yes. your high school. You'd go there. Uh, what were sort of the messages that they were communicating that was so different from what you were hearing as a Buddhist? The big difference is that instead of me using my own effort to, uh, to, to, to reach the higher spirituality, in Christ, it is not about me. It's about the complete and finished work of Jesus Christ. How he has yeah. died for my sins, mm -hmm. and I can come before God and holy unto him. Wow. And so, you know, you're, you're hearing, you know, as a Buddhist about, oh, it's all about my effort, my performance, my work to get a better life and a better, you know, a better afterlife as well. And now you're hearing about this message of how it's not about what you have to do. It's about what Jesus has done for you. That's right. Um, at what point did you then say, okay, I, I need Jesus in my life? When I explore deeper and it's explained to me about a whole concept of restoration of my relationship with God and how it gives me meaning to live for God and how to spread His love sideways, it gives me so much purpose in the meaning of living. The reason mm. why I can wake up every day with a smile on my face, knowing that God is with me. Yeah. And knowing that God is preparing me a home eternally, I have no fear. Yeah. And that is a new impetus to my newfound life in Christ. Yeah. It's almost like those three questions of origins, purpose, destiny, they were all answered in, Amen. in, 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 in Christ that Completely. way. Completely. That's Amen. really cool. Yes. Um, and you, you end up getting baptized, right? You, I, yes. I, you, you, we don't have a picture of it, and uh, but you, you, born, so you got baptized uh, at a, a beach, quite a famous beach, which is now, I understand, it's been turned into the Singapore airport. Is that right? I was baptized yeah. in the ocean, in, yes. uh, in Changi Beach. Right. And if you land in Singapore, you would land in Changi International Airport, which is rated among the best in the world. Yeah. And that's where I was baptized. It's all filled with, uh, with uh, soil, and right. it's the airport right now. And, and that was shortly after you received Jesus into your life? I received uh, Jesus in uh, about May 1972. I baptized in March 1973. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and it was basically you just saying, I need a Savior. His name is Jesus. You got into the water, got baptized. That's, that's fantastic. Uh, how did your parents and how did your family respond to you being now this Christian in a Buddhist family? My father didn't really want me he, he, uh, to be a Christian. He was worried that it might interfere with his uh, uh, business, accumulation of wealth. And I, I, was, uh, I was not allowed to go to church. So it was a time of really having to live a life and thank God because I was so naughty. And after I received the Lord, the transformation within me, and, and, and you can see the change, uh, becoming a good boy, that he quietly allowed me to go to church. So uh, praise God for that. Wow. That there's been a change in my attitude, the way I behave and yeah. respect and everything. He see the change, and I was allowed to go to church. That's praise amazing. God. And uh, this is a, probably a story for another day, but you would be the first Christian in your family, uh, and you would later on, over the course of the next few decades, be uh, part of leading your family, members of your family, to Jesus themselves as well. They, they went from, you know, worshiping Buddha to trusting Jesus. Right? Yes, I believe it's the true the prayer of my biological mom, who is a Christian, and God's plan to plant me in the Lim family, and praise God as able to lead my sisters, uh, and eventually my father and my mom into the Lord. So today we are a complete uh, spiritual family. That's in, amazing. Amen. Can we give God a big, big hand for that? That's very, very cool. Praise God. Now, your life, of course, has not been all roses, uh, but there, there have been some very difficult times you've gone through as well. Uh, and by God's grace and with the hope we have in Jesus, you've been able to get through them. Can you, can you share one of those examples with us today? My life has been uh, very colorful, but I think the most dramatic crisis I have to face in my life is when I have, to, when I have experienced marriage breakdown. I was in uh, China doing business, Ended up having an affair with another woman, which resulted me in separation. Those years are very difficult, and how I ended up in a divorce nearly 20 years ago. And uh, through it all, Christ has been faithful, even though I was not. How painful was that for you and for your family during that time? I think the greatest pain is when I have to deal with separation with, from my children. And knowing that I'm not able to be used by God at that time when I'm in the path of wilderness. 
and being alone in Vancouver because my families are all in Singapore. And yet through it all, God has been my constant comfort. And God has always says, Lawrence, I, I'm with you. I know you're going through difficulty, but I'm with you. So yeah. that's what God has been carrying me through those difficult years. What would you say to say someone who is uh, going through that pain of divorce or has already gone through a divorce? What advice would you give to them right now? I'm not proud of my divorce. I'm not proud of those years where I have to suffer the consequence of my sin. I was not the one to propose that you get divorced right away. I would say it took me three years of struggle and challenges and uh, uncalled for pain. And for those who are having marriage difficulty, it's because of my own arrogance that I didn't seek pastoral help because I want to maintain the image of a successful businessman. For those who are having problems, I advise you seek pastoral help, professional help with the aim of restoration. And if you come to a path of no return, then be a responsible person and with the aim of restoring broken relationships, especially if your children, yeah. Yeah, don't let them be the victim of mm-hmm. your own sin. That's really well said. And, uh, you know, I think one of the verses that you shared with me in our conversations this past little while is Philippians 3.13. You know, forget what is behind, strain toward what is ahead. You know, when we, we acknowledge our mistakes, we repent of those mistakes. But uh, I really like what you said about don't allow your past to uh, limit your future. Don't allow any past mistake, past failure to, to keep you from seeking after God and uh, believing the best is yet to come. Uh, you know, you went through that very, very difficult, painful time. Praise God that that painful chapter in your story had a redemptive ending to it. You know, your uh, ex-wife, she ends up remarrying. Yes. Uh, you know, I guess there was a period of time when your relationship with your sons was, was not good as a result. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that relationship has been, been restored. restored. Yes, yeah, thank That's you. fantastic. Yeah. Um, and eventually, over time, you end up finding love again, right? Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And uh, a God is, is a God of grace. In spite of who I am and what I am, God is still refining me. So I'm never, never will be perfect. In God's eye, in God's eye, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus. Yeah. He paid the price. Yeah. And my relationship with God didn't exist before I became a Christian. Yeah. After I became a Christian, guess what? I have a new identity in Him. Yeah. I'm His beloved child. Yeah. I'm loved by God. Yeah. And I can worship him. I can go to him like a dear father, mm. like the way my adopted father has loved me. I know, and he's with me all the time. Yeah, praise God. And you know, uh, you end up meeting, uh, you know, uh, your lovely wife. Uh, you know, uh, after that whole period of time, you you meet her. Her name is Christine. In fact, we've got a picture of uh, Christina and Lawrence. Do you remember where you guys first met? <laughs> That's when we got married. God has. Uh, every time I look at my wife. It just tells me of God's mighty blessing on my life. Mm-hmm. God has forgiven, forgiven me. Yeah. I leave the past behind. I shall not be defined by my failure, right. but my hope is in Christ. Amen. And God has provided a wonderful woman there that I have been married for over 15 years, a result of my, and resulting in a wonderful daughter. She's so shy right now. <laughs> but I live each day in victory and knowing that no matter where I am, even if I fall, I make mistakes. God is gracious, and God's grace is sufficient. My sins are not big enough to, to and can never be bigger enough than God's grace. Amen. Thank you. Amen. This is a picture of you guys getting married, uh, and uh, that's a beautiful picture with you, Christine, and the family. Let's look at the next one here. This is uh, you guys. Uh, this is, I believe, August the 5th, 2002. Not, not May the 8th. Not May the 8th, but August the 5th, me, 2002. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and uh, this is a more recent picture, I think, of you guys. Can we give Christine a big hand this place? I think she's here right now. There she is. Yeah. And... Uh, and, you know, in fact, we originally were, I asked Christina if she wanted to come up and share kind of her side of the story. Uh, she was a bit shy to do so, but she did say this one thing when I asked her, you know, what, what do you think of all that happened in Lawrence's past? And uh, it was a very touching thing that she said. She said, uh, she said that she said, you know, everyone makes mistakes, but God's grace is greater. Amen. And uh, can we give God a big, big hand for that? That's very, very cool. And, 
you know, here you guys are uh, with, in this next photo, uh, we've got you and Christina and uh, your sons from your first marriage, Lawson and Leon. Yes. Uh, of course, as you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, you and Christina, you guys were married for a number of years, and, and God bless you guys with your own daughter, and uh, here she is as well. Uh, <laughs> funny picture of her there. Uh, you guys have a very, very cool relationship as well. Uh, there's the next fo photo of you, the three of you together as uh, this wonderful family. Um, you know, you and Christina and Catherine, uh, you guys uh, are quite, a, quite an awesome story of God's glory, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I think since the affair and the divorce 20 years ago, you've gone on to not only have a, a wonderful family, but you've uh, also started to serve God in our city and around the world as well. In fact, you're the director of Asia Ministries at World Serve Ministries. Yes. Uh, you recently took a team, including uh, Catherine, your daughter, to uh, Myanmar, where, yes. you, where you're there for 16 days to serve children, orphans in particular. Uh, in fact, later on this week, church, on uh, Wednesday at our prayer meeting, uh, Wednesday night prayer meeting, we're going to be having Lawrence to share uh, a bit of his missions trip and the experiences that they had. We don't have time for it this morning, but uh, just some amazing, incredible things that they experienced on this trip. Uh, uh, just in a sentence or two right now, you know, how was your trip to Myanmar? What would you say to those who are maybe thinking about going on a mission trip this coming year? When I was promoting the trip in front of you uh, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I say it will be a life-transforming experience. And I think I can speak on behalf of teachers. Indeed, it was a life-transforming experience. More importantly, how people with very little material means can stand up and worship and thank God. Yeah. Thank God for what they have. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. There are some very touching photos that you shared with me that we're going to have to share with everybody on Wednesday. So yeah. look forward to that. Please come on Wednesday. In fact, that's a picture of Lawrence with uh, some of those kids. Uh, next photo here, we've got Catherine with some of those kids as well. Uh, beautiful, fantastic. Um, you know, last question for you this morning, uh, and thanks so much for sharing your story with us, Lawrence, is, uh, you know, you've now, you received Christ in June of 1972. Uh, right now here in April 2018, looking back at all these years uh, and all these different seasons and all these different chapters that God has, uh, you know, uh, seen you through in your, in your life story, uh, when you look back, what, what would you say is the difference that Jesus has made in your life? He is my Lord. He is my God. I am his child. My identity in Christ has always been a constant. His grace is sufficient for me. And my hope is in him and him alone. Amen. 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 Can we give God a big hand? Let's also thank Lawrence today for sharing his story with us this morning. Thank you, Lawrence. Let's give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Praise God. We're going to do a bit of a scene change one more time. And uh, did you guys enjoy that story? fascinating story fascinating story that Lawrence shared I want to thank him once again I want to thank Lawrence Christina and Catherine for sharing what is obviously uh, you know a, 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 just a, a fascinating story from their family uh, and uh, you know today I just want to end this morning by by sharing a few lessons that I learned from Lawrence's story as we were as we were talking this morning see you know one of the big lessons I think that you can learn from Lawrence's story is this and you write it down is that God loves you with an unconditional love. Turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you unconditionally. Can you tell your neighbor that right now? God loves you unconditionally. You know, long before Lawrence was born, long before Lawrence ever thought about being part of a family, Lawrence's adoptive parents chose him, loved him, brought him into their home, adopted him, and made him part of the family. And in a very similar way, I don't know if you know, but the Bible says that long before you were born, long before you ever thought about God, God already chose you. That God already had plans to adopt you and make you part of his family. In fact, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 together. Read it with me in a big, loud voice. You've been awesome today, church. Read it with me right now. It says, long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as a focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. In other words, your life is not a mistake. Your life is not an accident. You are not just some random occurrence with no purpose at all, but God brought you into this world to love you.
God brought you into this world so you could be part of his family, that you could be adopted into his family called the kingdom of God. And just like Lawrence, when he was adopted into his family uh, and he now had the same rights, the same legal standing as any naturally born child in that family, how many of you guys know that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and you trust Jesus as your Savior, that what the Bible says is that you now have the same rights and the same standing in God's family as any natural-born child in the family of God. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. And so when Jesus looks at you, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a second-class citizen. He doesn't see a second-rate family member, but he sees a full-fledged, qualified, beloved, precious, chosen, adopted son or daughter of God. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. Give him a shout as well, because that's who you are in God's eyes. He loves you with an unconditional love. To your neighbor and say, he loves you with an unconditional love. Look at Psalm 27, verse 10 with me right now. Read it with me, loud voice. It says, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Maybe you've gone through some kind of rejection. Maybe someone long time ago left you and abandoned you. Maybe someone hurt you in a very bad way. Maybe friends betrayed you. Maybe things didn't go quite your way and you feel a bit of that rejection. You gotta know today that your worth was decided long, long ago when Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins, to show that he loves you with an unconditional love and you are of great worth in God's sight. If you believe that, say amen. That's the first lesson we learned from Lawrence's story. The second lesson I want you to write down is this. God's grace is greater than our biggest mistakes and our deepest hurts. Amen? Amen? God's grace is greater. See, what is grace? Grace is God's undeserved, unmerited favor and goodness in our lives. It's something you can't work for. It's something that you can't earn. And when I think about Lawrence's story, more than anything else, I think of his story as a story of God's amazing grace. And see, just as we would never tell you guys, church, to go ahead and murder someone that you're mad at. In the same way, don't misunderstand the message this morning. I'm not here to tell you, go ahead and commit adultery. Yeah, and God will work it out, and you'll have a lovely wife and a daughter one day as well. I'm not, I'm not telling you that as well. I'm not telling you that, oh yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, go ahead and have that divorce. Go ahead and commit adultery. Oh yeah, go ahead and have that affair because God will work all things out for good. If you think that, you're misunderstanding the message. See, the fact is this. There's a reason why God's word time and time again warns us against adultery, warns us against marital unfaithfulness, warns us against divorce. It's because of the pain that it causes you and me. It's because of the pain it causes you, it's because of the pain it causes those you love, your spouse, of course, but especially your kids. And it's for that reason that God warns us against adultery. It warns us against divorce. And that's why when you look at God's word, I don't want you to see God's word as look, all these, like, these prison bars that are limiting your freedom and, and restricting your happiness. Much the opposite. God's word is not prison bars. God's word is like guardrails on a highway that keep you from falling into the ditch. Amen. They're there for your protection. And that's why God's word speaks on marriage that way and about against adultery and divorce that way. But the message I want you to get from Lawrence's story this morning is that when we make big mistakes, when we fail, God's grace is still greater. God's grace is bigger than your biggest hurts. God's grace is bigger than your deepest failures. It's bigger than our biggest mistakes. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says it, says it this way. Read it with me in a big loud voice. One, two, three, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Keep on going, not by works, so that no one can boast. You guys have been awesome. Read verse 8 with me one more time. Look back at verse 8 one more time. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's because of God's undeserved, unmerited favor and goodness on our lives that we could not earn or ask for or work for. It was these things. It was by grace that we have been saved. And you know what? That is what makes Christianity unique. That is what makes Christianity different from every other faith, philosophy, religion you will ever study in this lifetime. Is that every other faith, philosophy, religion, it's all about what you have to do 
to get to heaven. What you have to do to become like God. What you have to do to reach spiritual enlightenment or get to nirvana or to earn God's approval. And so, for example, for Lawrence, when he grew up as a Buddhist, it was all about his performance. It was all about what he had to do. And yet he, he always felt discouraged because it's like, I don't, ha- I don't have the answers to the questions that I'm asking. And I will never be perfect. I will never get there. And yet it's all about what I have to do. And see, when, G- when, when Lawrence encountered Jesus and learned that it's not about what you have to do, but it's about, what, it's about what Jesus has done for you, it changed his life. All of a sudden, he realized that when we had no way of reaching God, when we had no way of earning the approval of a perfect God, God said, I still love you. I love you unconditionally. I don't want to be apart from you. And so I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, my son, and he's going to live the life that you and I could never live, a life that fulfilled all of God's requirements. And then Jesus Christ, he died and hung on a cross to pay for our failing, to pay for our mistakes, to pay for our sin. He was buried in a tomb, and on the third day, he rose rose again to show that neither death nor sin have any hold over him and that if anyone would place their trust in Jesus they are a new creation the old is gone the new is come come on give God a big hand a big shout in this place together that's what Jesus did for you and for me and see, here's the thing. If you're here and you're new to Christianity, you're exploring faith and you're exploring Christianity, you're, you're, you're seeking and you're thinking about Jesus, you've got questions, you've got to understand this. Don't let anyone ever fool you into thinking all religions are the same. They're not. In fact, Christianity is the anti-religion. Because every other religion is about, it's all about what you have to do. It's how you have to earn your way there. God is saying, you can never earn your way here, but you don't have to. It's not about what you have to do. It's about what I have done for you. Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place right now. And so we don't try to live good lives as Christians to earn God's favor. We do it in response to God's grace. And you know, the thing is this, what unites Christians all over the world is not that we think we're perfect, it's not that we think we're so good. Look at us, we're so good. That, that's, not, well, that's not what Christianity is all about. The, 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 what unites every Christian, billions of Christians all around the world, is that we all realize this one fact. We are all sinners who need a Savior. We are broken people who are messed up, who need a Savior to save us from our sins. And praise God, when God saw that we needed a Savior, he sent us that Savior. His name is Jesus. Everyone say, Jesus! Give Jesus a big hand here in this place right now. Amen. Here's a question for you this morning. Is that, are you trying to earn your way to God? Or have you received the grace of God? That is Jesus Christ. Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have never done that before, we want to give you an opportunity to do so in just a minute. But first, I want to show you a very, very important passage for us this morning. John 20 verses 24 to 29. Could you read with, this, with me in a loud voice this morning? One, two, three, it says, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Keep on going. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. What's going on here? Jesus He's died on the cross for our sins. He's been buried now. He's risen from the grave. And to show that he's no ghost, to show that these guys are not just hallucinating, behind locked doors, he appears before his disciples, and especially before one of his disciples, his name is Thomas, who's got all these doubts in his mind. And Jesus goes up to Thomas and says, Hey, Tom, come here. Check this out. Feel my hands. Feel my side. Check out these scars on my feet. Feel them. Touch it and see. And, and, and I, want you, I want you to notice something this morning. Notice this. Jesus has resurrected, and yet he still has scars. Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He still has scars. You guys know that when you read Revelation, the last book in the Bible, and the Apostle John, he's one of Jesus' disciples, he's writing about this vision he saw of heaven. And heaven is this magnificent picture where there's a throne, and at the center of the throne 
Jesus is standing there, and John describes him this way. He says, I see standing at the center of the throne someone who looks like a lamb that has been slain. In other words, even in heaven, when you see Jesus, Jesus will be the only one of all of us that has scars still. The scars that he took on when he died on the cross for our sins. You and I, we won't have scars. You and I will have a perfect body. We will have no more prying, no more shame, no more grieving, no more pain. But Jesus bears those scars. And those scars aren't killing him anymore. Those wounds aren't causing him pain anymore. He is risen. He's moved on. He's reigning as the king of kings. And it's a lesson for you and for me in this place. Is that when you have Jesus Christ in your life, when you receive the grace of God on your life, it does something in your life. It does something to your past. It does something to your life story. Is that you may have gone through some very painful times. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe someone left you long, long time ago when you didn't expect it. Maybe someone betrayed you and you were so hurt. Maybe you broke a promise and you hurt others as a result. And you're sitting here today and you still have the scars from that past. You still bear the scars of that mistake, the scars of that hurt, that scars of that painful experience. And here's the thing, we all might have scars that we carry, but when you have Jesus Christ in your life and you receive the grace of God, those scars don't need to kill you anymore. You can live a resurrected life by the power that is in Jesus. You can live a life where you can look at those scars one more time and others can see those scars and that scar might be you know, a blemish on your record a blemish in a relationship, maybe a, 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 a relationship that just didn't work out, maybe a, a missing seat at the dinner table, and, and, or maybe it's something where, you know, even on your body, you still literally physically have a scar. When you look at that scar, and when other people look at that scar, when you have Jesus in your life, you can look at that scar and be reminded that this scar reminds me God's grace is greater than that mistake. God's grace is greater than that hurt. God's grace is bigger than that failure. God's grace is bigger than that disappointment. God's grace is greater. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place. His grace is greater. Amen. Turn to everybody and say, God's grace is greater. And when you look at those scars, and other people look at those scars, and you tell them your story, you're going to tell them, yeah, God's grace is greater. Yes, did it hurt? Of course it did but God's grace is greater. Did it disappoint me? Yes, it did, but God's grace is greater. Do I miss that person? Yes, I do, but God's grace is greater. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's grace is really greater. Amen, amen, amen. Can we all read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 10 together right now? Can you read in a big, loud voice? One, two, three, it says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. You know, one of the things that really touches me about Lawrence's story is this, is that Lawrence uh, was an adopted child in the family, in a big family that worshipped Buddha. And they called him Tianbao, which means heaven protect. And I think in a really cool way, it's as if God really used Lawrence, and not as if, but God really did use Lawrence to bring not just himself to Christ, but to bring his family to Christ. And uh, it's just one of those things where, in a way, he was brought in to break a curse, and in a way that happened, is that because, uh, you know, Lawrence was adopted into this family— he was able to bring Jesus to a family that might otherwise not have known who Jesus is. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And um, it, it's kind of like you, you really fulfilled your destiny as, you know, God's protection. And, and here's the thing, is that um, when I think about Lawrence's story, when I think about your story, I think this, is that God is writing a story in your life that's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about your fame, your name, your success, but it's about who Jesus is. Jesus is the hero of your story. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our mortal body. Praise God. This brings our Your Story, My Story series to a close. Next week, we'll be having a special guest here to share a little bit about his story and how to make sense of the story that God is writing in your life. But in your meantime, let me just end with one final thought as we finish Your Story, My Story today. See, Your Story, My Story is not just a series title. 
Your story, my story, is a prayer to God. Your story, my story. Your story, my story. It's us saying, God, I recognize today that you are writing a greater story with my life than anything that I could write for myself. I recognize today that my story is not about me. It's about you. It's about you, Jesus. Your story is my story, and my story is your story. And when you say that as a prayer, your story, my story, it's, you're saying, Jesus, come and be the hero of my story. Jesus, come and write a story that only you can write. Come and have your way with me. And so maybe you're facing a tough situation this morning. Maybe there's uncertainty looming in your future. Maybe there's a situation you don't know how to solve this morning. Maybe whatever it is that you're facing today, you need to know this, is when you give God that kind of room and say, God, my story, is going to be your story. God is going to use your life not just to write about you, but to write about how Jesus can change any life. And everyone around you is going to see it because you become a testimony for God's glory. Come on, if you believe that, give God a big, big hand here in this place because Jesus Christ is in our lives. The best is yet to come. Come on, give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now. He is the author of our story. Can we all stand right now? Stand, we're gonna respond to God. Turn your neighbors on your right and your left. Give them a high five and say, God's story is my story. Can you say that together right now? Amen, amen. I'm gonna ask you guys to respond to God this morning. I'm gonna ask our band to play and lead us in a song that's so appropriate for the message that we're giving this morning. I'm going to ask Silas and our team to lead us in that song, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer afterwards. And let's just get ready to respond to God in this place. Can we give Jesus a big hand, a big shout together one more time? Because his grace is greater. I said his grace is greater. Come on, give God a big, big hand, a big shout in this place together right now. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to lead you in an opportunity where you can pray to God this morning. I want to pray for those of you who've never received Jesus Christ into your life before. You've maybe been to church before. You've maybe heard that God loves you, but you've never opened up your heart to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you. Be my Savior. Forgive me my sins. If that's you, I believe that you weren't here by accident this morning, that God brought you here for the purpose of letting you know that he loves you with an unconditional love, that his grace is greater than every mistake and every hurt you've ever experienced. And that God even wants to use your story to reveal Jesus to others. But it begins with you opening your heart to Jesus first. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior today, it's as simple as praying a prayer. It's not so much the words that matter as much as the attitude of your heart. Just being willing to welcome Jesus into your life. To admit, yeah, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Thank God he sent Jesus for me. If that's you and you realize you need a Savior this morning, and you want to receive Jesus Christ into your life, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. And don't just pray this prayer out loud, but I'm going to encourage you to just raise your hand right now to heaven. Just raise your hand to God as just an expression to God that, God, I need you. I need you, Jesus, to save me, to forgive me my sins. I need you in my life. If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand right now? Anyone else? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't you raise your hand to God if you need Jesus in your life? to save you from your sins, to forgive you of your sins. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. You can say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus thank, you thank you that when I had no way of reaching God, no way of reaching God you, came, you came, you died, you died a sinner's death, sinner's death, and you rose, you rose to, give me life, to give me life so that I could be forgiven, I could be forgiven and I could have a brand new start. I believe in you. I trust in you. I open up my heart and say, Jesus, come in. Forgive me of my sins. I receive you as my Savior and as my King. Thank you for adopting me as your child, for loving me with an unconditional love. And because of you, I can say, I am a child of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Could you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place right now?